What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business. We're so glad to have you here for another wonderful Saturday morning of entrepreneurship and leadership from around the Low Country. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here with the lovely and talented, finally she's back, Leslie Haywood. <laughs> I know, I missed everybody. Uh, thank you so much, Low Country, for sharing your Saturday morning with us and make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday morning and come see our Facebook page at Beyond the Business or on Twitter at BTBCHS. I can't believe I've missed um, two, what, uh, two shows. Sorry, yeah, my yeah, bad. All the listeners just want to know, kind of like, what is your life like when you travel and go on vacation? Uh, well, it's it's funny. I was I was kind of working, um, but it was in Orlando, Florida, and um, I rode the Velocicoaster. Nice. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like that is where I was while you were doing the show. I, I was I like, honestly, I'd rather be doing the show. I'm not a coaster fan, so good for you. <laughs> yes, Universal opened up, and I was down there, and that was it. Was so awesome. It was so exciting. So sorry I missed it, but yeah, you could I was, have done a live remote from the roller coaster, right? You could have done that. You're just not you're just not committed enough, Leslie. You're just not committed enough. So, um, well, we we did miss you. I will say that. And I apologize to our guests over the last couple of weeks that they had to just deal with me because that's certainly not nearly as fun. Um, but as the old saying goes, the show must go on. And so we did without you. Yeah, and we, so had Dr. Tell me. we had Dr. Will Youngblood, who is the owner and founder of Charleston Upper Cervical on last week and the week before. And a really cool cat, man, a third generation Charlestonian, grew up in James Island and just a crazy kind of, you know, as we always do, twist in terms of life. And, you know, I'm a quote guy. He had a couple of really awesome quotes. One of them was talking about um, working with his kids and that his dad had done this with him. He said, I try not to influence my kids' decision. I simply influence their thought process, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting how he phrased that. And then, um, you know, he talked a lot about just being authentic. And, you know, I think uh, several of our guests over the last a month or two really have used that term of being authentic, being true to yourself, uh, talk less, listen more mentality. And again, if you happen to miss that show, don't worry about it. Don't fret. You can simply go check it out on Spotify or iTunes or go to our website at coastalwm.com and simply type in 
beyond the business. And you'll be able to pull up not only Dr. Youngblood's sessions, but uh, get that sessions, shows, but all of the shows going back now for the last eight years, which is kind of crazy. We've been doing this a long time. So eight years, um, wow. You you think we kind of get it down by this point, huh? <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Can you get my technology to work today? It's eight years later. What the heck? So anyway, as we always do, we're going to turn the page to another guest we're excited to have online with us today, uh, Mr. Andy McCarthy. Welcome, Andy. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me on. We're excited to have you. By the way, Andy is the director of organizational design for the Building People, and we're excited to hear a lot more about uh, certainly you, Andy, and your background and all that great stuff. But if you don't mind, for those listening that don't know about uh, the Building People, give us a little twenty uh, second commercial. Sure, sure. So the Building People is a real estate uh, facilities management company based out of D.C. Uh, I've been working with them for about three months. And what I do is I help uh, federal government leaders and business owners map their business strategy to their people strategy. So how do we come up with what our big mission and objectives are for our organization? And how do we get the people on our team to be able to execute that appropriately? So pretty, pretty fun gig. Wow. Well, I can't wait to, I know that there's a, um, excuse me, there's a lot that happened in between. Um, So let's go way, way, way back. So tell me, where are you from? Where were you born? What was family like life back in the day? Yeah, sure. I was grew up in uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, a little place called Lilburn. It's a suburb outside of Atlanta. I had older sister, younger brother. My mom was a teacher. Um, my dad was a small business owner growing up, so I uh, kind of grew up in that entrepreneurial style business. Um, he went through plenty of ups and downs when we were kids, so uh, we were always there, you know, vacuuming the office. He had a little software company, so we were uh, burning CDs for demos for him back in the day, and he put us to work at a, at a young age. So I've been kind of in that entrepreneurial small business spirit for pretty much my whole life. Um, so, uh, it was kind of, a, a an inevitable, uh, occurrence of events where I ended up running and owning a, a few different businesses. So give us a flavor for what you were like as a kid. Yeah. So as a kid, we, uh, spent a lot of time outside, uh, played a lot of sports growing up. It was all about baseball and football and basketball. Um, really anything to do with, uh, with, with activities and balls, playing with kids, um, Again, ton of time outside. Uh, we had a, a group of kids that grew up on my street to where um, everybody was about the same age. So it was, a, um, at least for me, looking back on it, a fairly idyllic childhood of being able to have instant access to other young kids and um, growing up in an area that was uh, kind of fast-moving. Atlanta, <clears throat> as I was growing up, hit the Olympics right before I got into high school. Um, so it's just like always a very vibrant scene. It grew dramatically in my kind of formidable years. So I was uh, there for that. I got to tell you, Leslie, he just dated me on that one, dang it. Because I remember <laughs> going to the Olympics and I was not in high school. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's okay. We're, we're glad. And by the way, I'm really glad to hear of, of kind of your upbringing. We hear that on the show so much over the years, right? Of how kids were growing up. And I think about mine, I'm like, I have to beg, bargain, and bribe to get my kids off technology and outside and doing things. What a different society we're in. So anyway, that's enough of my rant. I know. I know. It's it's tough. It's tough. So what kind of student were you? Were you um, AB student or a, a bit of a slacker? We hear all all kinds. I was a pretty good student. I um, 
I think I was a little quiet kind of growing up through elementary and middle school. But uh, I think I got into like the the gifted program in middle school. So I was kind of in the, the smart kid classes. So I did pretty good going through school. And once I got into college, it wasn't really the same uh, outcome. I, um, I studied biology at school and in college. And my grades got went from that nice AB range honor student down to, um, let me just try and keep my, my Hope Scholarship sort of thing. Sure. Good. Biology. What what were you thinking? What were you? What did you want to do when you grow up? Then I was I was going to be a doctor. You know, uh, why not? So I, I started off school where uh, I was going to be pre med, uh, but got in a couple years and realized pretty quickly that ten more years of school was really not in my wheelhouse. Um, so pivoted a few times, but I had all these science classes kind of backed up. So stuck with biology because it's kind of the most broad based science out there. So, and, and let's preface this, you talked about your grades weren't as good in college. Keep in mind, those that don't know you, Andy went to UGA and Athens is a really hard town to go to school in. So, uh, there's a lot of competing interests there. Um, <laughs> what was life like for you as a college student? What was your kind of routine like going on? Yeah, so uh, I had a lot of fun in college. Um, uh, UGA was a super fun place to go and Athens is just a, a super fun town. Um, plenty of distractions as you were just bringing up. So, uh, I did good enough to, to get by and I graduated in four and a half years, but, um, uh, partook in all the extracurriculars you can imagine in, in a school like Athens. Uh, there's such a good music scene there. Um, ended up playing a lot of intramural sports and, uh, getting into to plenty of trouble with my friends, but, um, it was it was definitely a time well spent for me, just getting to create a big network of people, understanding how to kind of navigate through the world. Um, worked a bunch of different jobs, and uh, I was always in F and B, kind of working my way through school. Um, so that kind of helped me set the the tone for kind of a customer service based approach to most of my work. Right, uh, that and it's funny. My daughter, she graduates um, from high school here uh, tomorrow, actually, and uh, she's been in F and B too. And she has definitely—I I, swear—I think everyone needs to do a stint in the service industry because you learn uh, so much on how to deal with people. And so, how did some of those early jobs um, shape what you wanted to do after school, or did they at all? What were you thinking after graduation? Uh, I really had no idea. Um, you again, knew I, doctoring <laughs> was out, so you have a biology <laughs> degree. That's right. All right. So I got a biology degree, and I was like, oh, what can I use this for? And uh, to be honest, I got out of school and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I worked for about six months. I was bartending at that point, so I was bartending at nights, got a job, um, actually with my dad's company uh, as like an inside sales job. They just had me doing cold calls all day. Um, worked for six months, saved up a bunch of money, and then I moved abroad for a year. So me and a friend of mine moved to New Zealand and I uh, used all my F&B experience and got jobs in bars and restaurants there and just kind of lived the good life for a year. So as you're living the good life, traveling the world, um, obviously at some point in all of our lives, right, that moment has to stop and reality sets in. What was the turning point that got you focused? Uh, you know, I think for me, um, I don't know if reality ever has that in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, that experience for me was really kind of eye opening just from, Hey, I can go to the other side of the world and things are going to be just fine. And my big lessons learned from all that were, um, having, really strong expectations and, and understanding that how to navigate through the world. You can really do 
whatever you want. I mean, it was really that empowering moment for me of like, hey, I can literally do anything. Um, And that's something I think you always, we all have to remind ourselves on a regular basis. But traveling was what really helped bring that to the forefront for me. Um, And being, you know, having that F&B background to be able to do that really helps. You meet people from all over the world and you realize like, oh, we're we're all a lot more similar than we are different. Um, And something like moving across the planet was actually just not that hard. Um, so I'm going to work because I'm sure you had an experience somewhere along the way in these journeys that would be wonderful for our listeners to hear that was maybe defining or that that shaped or developed an opinion and belief. Can you think of any time that you had that, that stands out? Hmm. Um, that you can share on the radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's plenty. Um, you know, I think for me, uh, again, it was just like being able to do things they hadn't done before. So I learned how to surf in New Zealand and uh, did stuff like um, went spearfishing and um, uh, went and worked on just random boats and picked up gigs here and here, here and there. So we did a, uh, we had a stint where I volunteered on a boat in the Great Barrier Reef in Australia for like a week and got to explore the whole reef for free um, just by kind of trading work. So that resilience and that ability to like, oh, I can kind of just get by wherever I need kind of built a floor for me to be able to take risks later on. So the eye-opening portion for me was there was a lot of those just ongoing events, but it was really, hey, there's no reason not to try things because worst comes to worst. You know, I can always go back and sling drink somewhere and bartend and get by. So what brought your time in the Southern Hemisphere to a close? Uh, I just ran out of money. <laughs> 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 I was wondering if that was the, if that did it. Okay, so we run out of money and we go back home. Did yeah. you have a plan? Wait, where'd you what, what'd you do after that? Yeah, so um, so part of it was running out of money. Part of it, I was gone a little over a year um, traveling and was working for the most part throughout. But you know, after a while, I'm, I was really close to my family, really close to my friends at home. So uh, wanted to come home and, and you know get back into the 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 swing of things back in the south. So um, got home. What did I do when I got back from New Zealand? Uh, I got a job uh, selling forklifts. So I, I started working with a company. Um, in your hometown? Did you move back? I moved back to Atlanta. And um, I, uh, I spent about two weeks with my parents and realized that wasn't going to work out anymore. So I uh, moved in with some friends. Um, and uh, it was a decent job. Um, you know, selling especially, you learn a lot of stuff about, I think, sales jobs are great just because you get turned down a ton. You kind of learn all aspects of a business when you're in that kind of a job. So it was a powerful experience for me just from one, understanding a little bit more about how organizations are run. Um, but then two, realizing that um, I don't really like working for people, at, or at least I didn't at that point. Um, so it was kind of a, a good lesson to kind of dive in there. But I worked for a year and then I quit again and moved down to um, South America for a year. <laughs> By the way, I have to put it out there in case you're wondering whose amazing story this is. Is that Andy McCarthy? And Andy is the director of organizational design for the building people. And Andy is describing to us sort of his journey around the world. So you've uh, taken another break from the States. You now go to South America this time. What uh, country did you land in? I uh, started up in Argentina. And the whole goal with this trip was one, just exploring, but I really wanted to learn Spanish. Um, so got a job, I got certified to teach English down there. And I, and the whole idea was I'd spend, um, 
six months or so in Argentina and Buenos Aires and learned Spanish and just kind of set up shop there. And that lasted about a month and I got the, the travel bug again and started just jumping around and um, went to Bolivia and um, Ecuador and Peru. Um, ended up staying in Peru for the last of my, my time down there working. I, I got a job at a, a surf camp teaching English. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty fun experience. You know, it's crazy, Leslie. A lot of us, we want to learn a language. We we get online or we hire a tutor. Right. He goes to the, he just goes to the continent and ups so, and moves. <laughs> I know. I, I I can't imagine. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that. Where did you? How did you have contacts in South America? I, I didn't. Um, so <laughs> I uh, I got hooked up with this school who got me certified to teach English. Um, and they had like a job placement program. So they got me a job. Um, and again, I did it for a couple of weeks, but then I got the bug and I, I got hooked up with another school up in Peru. So I spent a bunch of time traveling in between. Um, but again, that was just kind of that, that travel. I think once you do it once you get the bug a little bit and it creates this just like feeling of like, Oh, I can kind of go wherever I want. And again, I've used those lessons later on in life to realize that like, you, you might think something's hard and you play it up in your head, but then once you do it, it's, right. you just do it. You know, you just kind of, kind of run with it. And it's not never that bad as you think it's going to be. Now, what brought you back to the States after South America? Did you so, run yeah. out of money? Again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started to get a little on cash again. Um, uh, I was doing much better in this thing because the, the jobs I had were, were much better paying, but uh, I had a buddy getting married. Uh, we're all really close friends. So I came back for the wedding. Um, and, uh, and decided to stick around after that, but then uh, jumped around a little bit and went lived in California for a little while. Um, uh, and then came back down to Atlanta, got a few other like sales type jobs. Um, and that was right about the time that I fell into um, really wanting to start my my own business and try and figure out how do I how do I get into that. So where I mean, obviously you had been on this amazing journey. You've been really just kind of free, right? Just roaming the the world, literally. Um, you know, from again, one country to the next country to California, the third country. And so, um, where in the world did you kind of design and start to think, Hey, it's time for me to kind of stop traveling and it's time for me to go exercise my entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So, um, traveling is, is super fun, but you start to jump around to different spots and this thing happens where it's like, Oh, there's another you know, beautiful waterfall or awesome city and you lose this kind of feeling of um, routine and you almost start to crave some of that. And just as I started to get a little older, my values started to change and I really wanted to, one, be able to travel like that um, whenever I wanted to and be able to sustain that because you can't, just going everywhere and running out of money all the time wasn't really working for me. <laughs> so the idea was how do I create a business or some kind of a lifestyle where I could go do the things I want to do and still live a financially free lifestyle. And what'd you come up with so, the first time around? I know there's many time. businesses in your in your past, but that first time. <laughs> first time, I was testing out a bunch of different things, but I was back living in Atlanta. Uh, this was right about the time of the 2008 crash. Um, had a decent job. I was selling. I was in industrial equipment sales again, um, and one of my good friends. I uh, got laid off. He was working at AIG. Um, and I had been talking with some other folks about opening up like a bar restaurant 
we had looked into starting like a couple different marketing type firms. But then my, my buddy Stephen Carr got laid off and he had been talking about starting this popsicle company. Um, uh, and it was like, you know, no time like the president, so I'm just going to give it a go. Uh, so started making these gourmet popsicles uh, and selling them out of a little push cart. And it was just kind of <laughs> random. That's so <laughs> random. random. <laughs> it was kind of right place, right time. Um, it it kind of caught fire pretty quickly. I was helping him out on nights and weekends. Um, his brother was an old roommate of mine. We were really close friends. Um, his brother quit his job. He was a lawyer, started working with the company full time. Uh, and I was keep going with it. And I was like, hey, what, what would happen if we, we moved this to Charleston too? So after about the first year, um, I picked up, quit my job. I told my my boss I was quitting to you know move to Charleston to sell popsicles. And he <laughs> wouldn't let me quit when I told him that. Um, he's like, he was thinking he was saving you. He's like, yeah. let me save you from yourself. You need to take a day and think about this. And I was like, I wouldn't have quit if I <laughs> hadn't thought about it quite a bit. Uh, so he wasn't too happy with me. But um, yeah, picked up, moved to Charleston and um, and started started grinding away, growing a, a popsicle empire. And what um, year was that? That was in 2011. So give us some uh, sense for, I was going to say flavor, but that is just too much of a pun. <laughs> sense for what it was like uh, starting from scratch, ground zero, and trying to build an operation here in Charleston. Um, it was uh, very enlightening. You learn very quickly how much goes into running uh, any kind of business, really. Um, so we really bootstrapped it. We didn't get any investment. Uh, we made pretty much every mistake you could possibly imagine uh, when it comes to starting and running a business. Um, and the stuff that got us through was just like sheer will and, and grinding. Um, so it was, how many hours can you work? How much more can you do just to kind of make, make it work? Um, what was one or two of those bigger mistakes that you can tell our budding entrepreneurs that are listening that maybe they can yeah. avoid? Uh, uh, one of the huge ones we made in the first year, um, we uh, started hiring people and uh, got a bookkeeper to help us with our books and help with payroll. Um, and the big mistake there was we weren't really auditing or, or checking her work, uh, and she just didn't pay payroll taxes for about a year and a half um, <laughs> uh, until we didn't realize what was going on and weren't paying enough attention to our books uh, until you know it was about 25k in the hole, um, and you know we were barely making money at that point and had no idea how we were going to pay it. Uh, so figuring out how to one, work with big federal agencies and pay back a bunch of money that you didn't know you owed, um, dealing with all those fines, understanding how to uh, operate with vendors, keep them accountable. Uh, was a pretty massive lesson right there. Off the gate. Wow. So the, the whole inspect what you expect, I guess, mantra comes into play, huh? Ooh, that's good. That, huh? So as we're uh, getting close to winding out time here, um, wow. give us a little sense again, just sort of how that business continued to grow and ultimately what happened with it. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, uh, it's still around now. Uh, I'm no longer with the company. My partners bought me out about three years ago now. But we uh, started in Atlanta and I moved here. Then we opened up operations in Charlotte and Richmond, Nashville, um, started to grow around the southeast pretty rapidly. And then from that opened up a couple of different retail establishments, started a distribution company, which is still rolling called Perfect 10 Foods, um, which I ran for a number of years. Um, 
and uh, and a wholesale operation. So you know, we went from selling in carts to selling at places like the Braves games and Whole Foods Market and Earth Fair, um, and, and getting that that grocery distribution as well. So it was a really fun company, and we uh, got into a bunch of different verticals with it. And what led you to decide it was time for an exit? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like time. And I had done it for about seven or eight years. And you know, sometimes I hit that, that point where you're like, there's other things I want to do. Not even sure what those things are. Um, the water, the water <laughs> lust is strong with this one here. <laughs> uh, I felt, yeah, the seven-year itch hit, and uh, it was just time. So we started to figure out you know, what it would look like for me to exit the company and can I you know, keep my equity in it and um, you know, be kind of a silent partner or just kind of an advisor. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it just made more sense for, for my partners to buy me out. We're still super close. I keep in touch with them all the time. So it was a very amicable split. That's awesome because that doesn't always – we don't uh, – sometimes we don't hear that. <laughs> so if you look back at that experience, what would you say as we're winding down – this is probably our last, last question for you, but what would be the – the biggest takeaway you took from that time experience, you know, running that business, starting that business and exiting that business. Hmm. Biggest takeaway, um, have fun with what you do. I mean, that, that was kind of our mantra the whole time. Whenever things got um, too intense, we would always tell ourselves and we were, it was easy for us to say, like, you know, we're just selling popsicles. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and as long as you're enjoying what you do, then you can make it work. Uh, and so that was probably my biggest lesson from from those days. Leslie, have you had any of the popsicles, by the way? No, but I have looked at all the flavors. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they remind me of childhood. So uh, there <laughs> it was awesome. Well, I Andy, haven't. I, I need say, to. You need to, get, you need to jump in there, Leslie. Andy, what an incredible journey you've shared with us today. Thank you for taking the time to walk us down that path. And we really look forward to hearing kind of the rest of the story when you come back next week and uh, share that with us. So thanks so much for your time. No problem. Again, you've been listening to Andy McCarthy, who is the director of organizational design for the building people. And I'll call him serial entrepreneur uh, here on beyond the business presented by the college of Charleston school of business and coastal wealth management. And until next Saturday morning, low country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.